Who they? Who they? Who they think gonna beat them Bengals? Evidently not the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? This is Ben Peterson alongside Justin Tavner, your co-host here on the Rundown Sports Podcast. It's been a wild week three for us this week, and we got a lot to get to. But first, Justin, how you doing, my man? Oh, I'm doing so much better. So much better uh, after this week. Feeling a, lot, feeling a lot happier about my team. I can imagine. Um, definitely have a lot for you to be happy about, for sure. Um, so before we get into the show today, we actually have a special announcement. Justin, would you like to let the listeners know what that is? Yeah, uh, this Sunday, uh, October 1st, uh, me and Ben will be at the Bengals vs. Titans game in Nashville. Uh, looking forward to that one. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good matchup. I completely agree. I'm excited. Um, I know my team didn't leave a lot to be to, not to be excited for um, after this past Sunday, but you know it is what it is. <clears throat> uh, I think it'll be a fun time, and if nothing else, I'll get to watch you lose your mind at Zach Taylor's play calling um, in person. Yeah, in person. Um, <laughs> And I'll get to keep you from, you know, throwing stuff and going to jail. So there we are. Yeah, maybe. Um, so before, or with the introductory stuff out of the way, uh, let's start. Um, Justin actually didn't put this in the notes, so I apologize for that. But uh, let's start with the Thursday night football game that we uh, talked about on Thursday. Um, we'll keep this segment pretty brief. Uh, this game played out pretty much exactly how we predicted it. On the Thursday episode, the 49ers harassed the Giants all game, and it was never really in doubt. Brock Purdy threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns, and Christian McCaffrey had his way with that Giants run defense. Speaking of domination, the 49ers gained 441 total yards and had 26 first downs with zero turnovers. Meanwhile, the Giants gained a whopping 150 total yards uh, with 10 first down, and Daniel Jones threw an interception. Justin, what what were your uh, thoughts there while watching this absolute beatdown? I mean, it was like you said, like the Niners just absolutely dominated the Giants on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think that just goes to show you that, I, I mean, like I've kind of been saying all year, I just don't think the Giants are, are all that good. So um, I think this is a good uh, convincing win, um, especially on a short week for the for the Niners. Uh, I kind of felt like, you know, they could just kind of go out there and, and coast to uh, to an easy win. Yeah, I mean... You know, they even announced, hey, our game plan is we're not going to play Christian McCaffrey <clears throat> as much as well, we normally they, they, Yeah, yeah, they played him, just, yeah, didn't didn't give him a, as many touches as he would normally get. Right, but I mean, you know, we almost predicted the score. I think we overshot it just a little bit, but it was, like like we said on Thursday, it was pretty much exactly how we thought it was going to go down. Um, so, yeah, uh, sorry for dropping that kind of surprise on you there, um, but I figured that one would be an easy one to make you wing it on um let's move on to hang on let me check my notes here um apparently this says that the tennessee titans played the cleveland browns on sunday i couldn't tell uh the cleveland brown practice that they were kind enough to invite my team to uh left a bad taste in the mouths of many hopeful titans fans Justin, I'm going to let you start here because uh, you, you know I've got a lot to say. Um, <clears throat> what were your takeaways from the Browns' Week 3 win over the Tennessee target practice? <laughs> um, I mean, I, there's there's not much to say. I mean, th- that's a good Browns team. Even with losing Nick Chubb, I thought Deshaun Watson looked a lot better. Um, but, you know, if, if I'm the Titans, uh, 
this loss to the Browns is honestly no worse than what the Bengals had in week one. Um, so you have a little bit of solace in that. Um, but I've been, I've been saying this for weeks. Uh, honestly, you know, the, the Browns defense is, is legit. You know, I, I have been saying that since week one, like it is, it is good. Uh, I mean, their, their defense has given up 18 points in three games. Their offense has given up 14 points. Like that, that's kind of a crazy stat. Um, and, and, you know, to me, I, I felt like the Titans' offensive line kind of looked lost out there. I mean, they they could their their pass rush couldn't stop a nosebleed. I mean, it was that bad. Um, and all the, all these grumblings of you know once again Tannehill's not him, and you know they need to bench him. It's like you know Malik Willis or Will Levis would not have done anything better or different out there than you know uh, Tannehill dropping back and immediately having three or four Browns uh, defensive players right in his face. Um, but I think with all that being said, there isn't any reason to panic just yet. Uh, if I'm the Titans, you know, you're in a weak division. Um, you, you, you don't know what you're getting with, with the Titans or with the Texans and, uh, and the Colts and the Jags have not looked up to, up to par just this, uh, just yet. So, you know, I, I think you still have an opportunity to, to win it. Um, and you know, you, I, to me, you, you got to find ways to to get that run game going. And I mean, my biggest question is like, did they, did they trade for DeAndre Hopkins or did they sign DeAndre Hopkins? Because I can't tell. Like, that was my same comment last um, <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah. Like you, you brought in this great weapon and it just seems like they are continuously underutilizing him. You know, um, if they can figure that out, I think given the circumstances that they're in, they can still turn this around. But, uh, you know, they they, they got to figure it out kind of quick. All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> are you done with your comments? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, boy. So. Here we go. <laughs> I will start out by saying um, I'm not quite in the position that you were last week. For me, honestly, no. I don't think there's any reason to be. I, I think, like I said, the, the Browns are a good team. You know, yeah. I, I think their offense has struggled early, but their defense, you know, is one of the best defenses in the league. So, I, you know, I don't think there's any reason to panic just yet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, for me today, I I find myself just wildly disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. We took the momentum we gained from a great overtime win against the Chargers. I mean, I was there. That atmosphere was electric. We won that game. You know, we were all like, okay, we figured it out. We've turned it around. Tannehill looked good. We had a solid run game. Our receivers were good. Our defense got it done when they needed to. And what did we do with all of that? Oh, we just left the offensive line in Nashville. Um, Play calling, it reverted back to that stale, uh, predictable offense that we ran all of last year and the year before. Um... Ty J Spears took the vast majority of running snaps, and to be honest, I mean the play calling or the play action did look solid at first. But like you said, the Browns defense is incredible, and uh, Miles Garrett ran through our offensive line like a fan trying to get to the merch table at a Taylor Swift concert. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannehill probably would have been better off having me out there block for him, blocking for him. I mean, it would have gotten him the same results, and they'd have plenty of extra money left over from not paying me as much to actually get some O line pieces. Uh, Derek Henry, uh, the highlights of him were all of him sitting on the bench looking frustrated instead of running the ball. 
Um, and our play calling kind of looked like Mike Vrabel uh, secretly snuck Todd Downing back onto the sideline and he was calling the game. And, oh my goodness, do not get me started on the penalties, dude. Like, that's what's so frustrating is we had so many drives where Tannehill actually would move the ball a little bit. Like, we would get a big run. Something would happen. We looked like – I was like – and I was like, okay, finally, we're going to turn it around. We're going to get back in this game. And then somebody would hold or there would be a false start or we had – it's just offensive pass interference. Like, it – you know, we would get down the field and we'd lose 10 to 15 yards and – on penalties, and then we'd get to fourth down, and they got to go from Tennessee to Tallahassee, and then we're punting the ball back to the Browns. I just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I want to believe this team isn't a bad team, and overall, I don't think we are. Uh, but this definitely felt like one of those turnarounds where we took one step forward last week and then three steps back this week. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, see your uh, your logic in that. Yeah, and like. You know, I do, I do want to give a quick shout out to the Browns. Um, I think overall they had a much better game. Um, Deshaun Watson looks a little closer to that guy that used to swap my team back when he was in Houston. Um, he finished with 289 yards, two touchdowns, and zero women disrespected. And he actually looked pretty confident in the pocket. Um, <clears throat> he also ran the ball pretty well, and he just, you know, he looked more poised and like like an actual good quarterback. You know. Yeah. Um, just a quick little stat to show how much the Browns defense shut my team down. Uh, the Browns had 341 total yards and 23 first downs. They held Tennessee to 96 total yards. So we'll see what happens with the Bengals, uh, this coming week. Um, but it is tough to feel good about things after watching my team look like a JV team out there. Uh, let's move on before I start reliving the game in my head and start crying in the corner. Probably for the best. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, I have some breaking news for you. Oh boy, what's that? The Cincinnati Bengals actually came to a game. They beat the Los Angeles Rams 19-16 to on Monday Night Football. Joe Burrow is back. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> well, let me let me start off with my <laughs> thoughts before you go, because I know you're excited to break this one down for us. Um, let, me, let me knock my podcast mic off. I can edit that out. Okay. <clears throat> I'll start off with my thoughts. Um, for starters, I think the Rams are in an interesting spot. Um, they're not bad. Like, I wouldn't rank them down there with, like, the Bears or the Broncos. No, I, I think they've looked good this year. I think they've just played... You know, three really good teams. Yeah. Um, however, they are also not the Super Bowl winning team from two years ago. Um, I think that's evident, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe they get Cooper cut back and things uh, start to change. But for now, I don't really think that they're better than like a 9-8 and eight team at best. I don't. Uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, I heard Nick Wright, or maybe it was Colin Cowherd, earlier say that um matt stafford is just good for every three to four games he just has one of those games where he just doesn't have it um and i mean he did get let down by his offensive line too their defense was okay i mean they did hold cincinnati to 19 points but overall i'm just not sold on the rams being able to be anything better than like a mid-tier team um at least this year cincinnati on the other hand they showed me that they might still have something to look forward to this year after all (coughs) Uh, Joe Burrow played better. 
I think that's not up for debate. <laughs> his receivers uh, outside of T. Higgins actually caught the balls that he threw them. I Seriously, I don't know what was going on with T. Higgins, but good lord. Um, and they finally actually started stretching the field and throwing some long balls. Um, I remember, I loved how excited you were when you were texting me like, where has this been all season? <laughs> Uh, it definitely, yeah. yeah, it definitely wasn't a pretty win by any means, but it's a, a win, and you know you take those. Um, that's all I really have on this, and I'll leave the rest of the time for the Bengals segment for you. So, Justin, the floor is yours. Uh, kind of takeaways from this game for me is like it. Watching it, it felt like a tale of two halves. You know, watching that first half, I was sitting there thinking, "Oh God, here we go again." I mean, it was it was awful play calling. It was you know throwing a, a a two to four yard you know little dump down on on third and eleven, which just drives me insane. I mean, it was like every single time you could, you could just see it coming. Um, so it was the awful play calling. It was Joe Burrow seemingly being scared to throw the ball more than five yards down the field. It was the defense giving up chunk plays. It was the inability to move the ball down the field. It was it was all of that, you know, and it, and it resulted in a six to three halftime score. Yeah, I'm not gonna um, lie. I'm not gonna lie. The first half had me worried for your sanity. I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, because if the second half had played out like the first half, we were not winning that game. Um, but you get to the second half, and it was like something clicked. It was like a flip or a switch just flipped, and, and I don't know what it was, but. You could tell the play calling felt like it got more creative. Um, the defense started to step up. Trey Hendrickson played out of his mind. He had two sacks and could have had four if the other two weren't called back for penalties. Um, the defense cre- started creating turnovers. I mean, the Rams were one for 11 on third down with their only conversion coming on that last minute touchdown drive. I mean, the defense played great. The Rams offense had eight plays in the red zone. For a total of negative 10 yards. Like, there, there's not much more you can ask from your defense when, when they're doing that. Um, it, it just seemed like the whole team, once they got that lead, uh, and they, they went up, what was it, 13 to 9? Um, once they got that lead, you could kind of, and that was their first lead that they've had all year. You could kind of tell, like, that it, it was it was like a sigh of relief from the whole team. You could tell they got more comfortable. Um, and, and to me, I think if, if Joe Burrow's calf can uh, just continue to get better, and you know he he stays healthy, and the defense can kind of start limiting those chunk plays that they were giving up, um, I mean, I, I think this team is right back where we need them to be. Um, I'm still just frustrated that we started out zero and two because you know those were two winnable games. And I think had we played, had we played the other two games like we played that second half, we could be three and zero. And so that's what's frustrating to me is that this team could very easily be three and zero because they've shown what they're capable of. Um, and that's like I, I thought they played well, and that's with all of the all, all of the cylinders not firing. You know, like you, you could tell Joe Burrow was not a hundred percent. T. Higgins was dropping balls left and right. They gave up long, long passes. But this game was a was a sign of hope. You know, they got that they got that monkey off their back. They got their first win. 
you know, it, this, this is what they needed to, to kind of go in that, go in that right direction. So, um, I, I thought it was a big win, you know, big, big time win. Yeah. I mean, I told you after the Ravens loss, even that like there was some stuff to build on there. Um, you know, obviously they showed up to that game too late. Like that game was never in doubt, but there were some things where they were moving the ball. Like they actually looked decent. Um, so I wasn't as worried about it as maybe you were, but obviously some of that was just cause I didn't have the same level of frustration that you did. Um, but no, I agree with you. I think that it was definitely a must win. And I think that they delivered on, on that. I'd like to see their offense get a little more explosive just cause 19 points in the AFC is not going to cut it against the, against the uh, top dogs. Yeah, I mean, th- this team is going to have to get to, to – to make the playoffs, they're going to have to get to probably 10 wins. Um, and if they want to the, win their division, based on what I'm seeing from Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Baltimore, it might be 12 wins. Yeah. Which is a tall task for the 0-2 hole that they, they dug themselves into. Now 1-2. and Yeah. Um, cool. Um, I don't really have any more thoughts on the Bengals, do you? Nope. Cool. All right, well, speaking of top dogs in the AFC, let's move on to probably the most wild game I've ever seen in my life. Um, The Miami Dolphins did just absolutely unholy things to the Denver Broncos. Like, do not show children this final score. They came away with a 70, that is 7-0, to 20 victory. Ten touchdowns. Ten touchdowns. When I tell you I have never seen the level of destruction that I saw in that game. Like, it was insane. Like, I do that kind of crap on Madden. That's what it felt like watching this game. It felt like watching a Madden game. For sure. It felt like somebody was, like, playing playing Madden with these two teams. That sounds like whenever you and I get mad at our franchise and we're like, yeah, bro, I put it on rookie. I threw for 1,200 passing yards this game. (laughs) Like, that's how it was. That was basically that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Dolphins basically had you and me out there running for 200 yards and four touchdowns, bro. It was crazy. Um... Miami did pull their starters early in the fourth quarter, but it didn't matter. Tua threw his first incompletion, or Tua did not throw his first incompletion until nine minutes and 44 seconds in the, left in the third quarter. Prior to that, he was 17 of 17. For over 200 yards. For over 200 yards. I looked it up, actually, and Miami's team record is 18 straight passes without an incompletion that Ryan Tannehill did over two games. So Tua in one half and a little bit of the third quarter almost broke a record that Tannehill took two games to set. I mean, heck, Mike White went out there and threw a 68-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Chosen Anderson in the fourth quarter because he was as open as Walmart was when it was open 24-7. And, like, (laughs) the thing that was crazy about it is it's not like, I mean, I talked to you about this earlier, like, it's not like Denver played awful on offense. I mean, Russell Wilson had 306 passing yards and a touchdown, he did have an interception, but I mean, at that point they were down a thousand to like ten or thirteen or whatever it was. Cortland Sutton did have two awful fumbles. Like I mean, just you cannot fumble the ball, and that set Miami up with often with extra offensive opportunities. But overall, like Denver's offense, I didn't have too much. Like I mean, you score twenty points in an NFL game, you like you like the spot you're in, you know. Like, most NFL yeah. teams, you score 20 points, like, you're at least competitive in a game most of the time. However, <laughs> Denver's defense, I <laughs> I don't have words, bro. 
that defense probably showed up to the practice facility on Monday and found out that their key fobs for the doors didn't work anymore. I mean, that was one of the most atrocious showings I have ever seen by a defense, and I watched my team lose 59 to nothing once. And somehow this was worse. Yeah. I mean, the, Dol- the Dolphins are a great team. Don't get me wrong. Like, they're my number one team in the AFC. But 70 points? Like, what, what are we even talking about here? Yeah, I, like, I don't know. I, I don't... I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. <laughs> like, I... At this point, I am confident I could have gone out against that Denver, t- that Denver defense and scored a touchdown. Like, I could have run the ball for a touchdown. <laughs> you know... If I'm Denver, I don't know what to say from here. Uh, I don't know what you do to fix the team. I don't. However, I mean, I guess you do have one bright spot. Somehow, you are three-point favorites over the Bears at Chicago this week because in some unfathomable way, the Bears are a worse team than a team that gave up 70 points. Um, So we'll get to Miami more in just a moment. But my question for you, Justin, is this. Where, Where does Denver go from here, man? Um, I think the first thing they need to do is they need to go from the AFC West to the Pac-12. Um, and even then they might still struggle. They let a backup running back, uh, I think his name is Devon Achin is how you pronounce his name, uh, score four touchdowns against them. And those were the first four touchdowns (laughs) of this man's career. I saw he had 51 fantasy points. 51 fan. This is... This is his third game of his career. What are we doing? This game looked like Georgia playing against Southeastern New Hampshire Tech College A&M University Northern Campus. Like, the last time a a single team put up this many points, I actually did the math wrong, I was 30, sorry, I was negative 33 years old. The last time a team put up this many points. Negative 33. My parents weren't even born. Mike White, the backup quarterback for the Dolphins, Mike White, came in and threw two passes. Two passes. And he scored more fantasy points than Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones. He threw two passes. This is as embarrassing of a loss as I think I've ever seen. I I genuinely, when I saw that final score, was at a loss for words. The, the Dolphins put their backups in in the fourth quarter. Their backups scored 21 points. Yeah, their backups the, the Broncos didn't, the Broncos didn't even score 21 points. <laughs> I mean, uh, th- this to me goes on, on coaching. Oh, it, yeah. It, like... <laughs> like like all the guys that Sean Payton brought in, those are his guys. Like Sean Payton signed off on all of those guys, guys being hired. Gosh, I I don't even know. I don't even know what else to say. I got it all off my chest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for that laugh. That was, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I like you. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, let's move on to the team that decided not to become a record holder. Uh, shout out to Mike McDaniel for having some sort of class and deciding, you know what, I've already spanked y'all enough. We'll, we'll take a knee, give you guys the ball back, and not break the NFL scoring record on you in one game. 
Speaking of Miami, all I have to say, Tua threw for 309 yards and four touchdowns. And most Mostert and a chain is how I've heard it's pronounced, combined for eight touchdowns and like four million rush yards. Miami's really good. I mean, they're they're like I said, yeah. they're my number one team in the AFC right now for a reason. Um, I genuinely don't know if this game was more of a statement for Miami or an indictment on Denver. Um, Justin, is it is it an overreaction to say that Miami is the best team in the NFL? I mean, they they dropped seventy without Jalen Waddle. Like, <laughs> you want to hear my overreaction, Ben? I would. You, love, you ready? I would love to. The Dolphins are winning the Super Bowl. Uh, they are also going to win the World Series, the NBA Finals, the NHL Stanley Cup, the NASCAR Cup, the Olympics, World War Three, and all five of the golden tickets to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. That's how good they are. <laughs> not the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but Tua is going to win MVP, NBA Finals MVP, World Series MVP, and honestly, he might be elected President of the United States. Well, shoot, you might as well throw in the Walter Payton Man of the Year, NAIA Champion of Character, and the High School Nike Cross Country National Championship while you're at it. I mean, this team is going to break records. <laughs> they, I mean, they already have, actually. Yeah, true. So, um, I think we've said all we can legally say about this game. Um, there's not too much more we can say without getting vulgar. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so, another game that happened this weekend was the Jaguars somehow outgained and had the ball longer than the Texans, but couldn't get out of their own way, and they fell 37-17. to C.J. Stroud looked poised and, poised, and dare I say, good in his third NFL start, leading his team with 380 yards and two touchdowns. Meanwhile, Jacksonville looked bad. Uh, they, Trevor Lawrence looked lost out there, and he again couldn't get the job done. Uh, he threw for 279 yards. He did have one touchdown, but an interception as well. Let me just read off to you what the Jaguars did in their first five drives in no particular order. You ready for this? Go for it. They had a missed field goal, a blocked field goal, a punt, a fumble, and a punt. I Lightning. Yeah. You... Uh, that, you, you can't have your start of your game be that and expect to have anything going for you at halftime, and nothing was going for them at halftime. They were down 17 to nothing. Uh, I have two questions for you on this game. I'll ask you my first one. Um, what do you make of the rough start that the AFC South favorites have had so far? Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's tough because going into the season, you, you thought the Jags would kind of run away with this division. And they have done everything except that. Um, you know, this to me feels like the, the Patriots against the Jets, where they've won 15 straight. Or, um, you know, the, the Browns and the Bengals, where the Browns just just have the Bengals number. Th this feels like that. The The Texans have, have beaten the Jags six out of the last seven times. I mean, it, it that's that's what it feels like to me. Like, they, they just have their number... And for whatever reason, uh, the Jags just cannot find a way to beat them. Um, for as good as the Jags looked in Week One, they have their their offense, and you know what we thought it was going to be with Calvin Ridley has been anything but that. Uh, I mean, it, it's been kind of a disappointing start to the season for the Jags for sure. Um, but I mean, same thing with the Bengals; they did win 
like what seven of their last eight games last year. Um, so, you know, there there is a little bit of hope for them to turn it around, and and kind of the same thing I touched on with the Titans that they do play in one of the weaker divisions in the NFL. Um, but with that being said, you you kind of look on the schedule for the Jags and you going into the season, you kind of chalk this one up as a win. And, you know, I, I think this just goes to prove that, you know, wins don't come easy in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, they don't. And, um, you know, I will say this is going to lead into my second question, but I think it also gives some credit to the Texans as maybe they're not quite as bad as people think they are. Um, sorry. <clears throat> Speaking of, what do you make of CJ Stroud and this Houston team through three games? Uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed, uh, you know, with, with a, a rookie head coach, uh, a rookie quarterback and basically a non-existent run game. You would think that this team is set up for, for failure and, you know, here they are with CJ Stroud. He's thrown for over 900 yards in his first three games. He is, he is the third most passing yards, uh, through the first three games, um, to start a career, um, and, you know, I've, I've been impressed. And uh, I think the emergence of, of Nico Collins and 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 Tank Dell, um, someone I had never – exactly, someone I had never heard of. Uh, but, you know, on, on paper you think, well, you know, this team's all right. But they go out there on the field and you're actually kind of impressed with, with the weapons that they have. Um, you know, I, I've, been, I've been impressed with this team. And honestly, right now I think C.J. Stroud – uh, is probably going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, I I can't disagree with you. I mean, I know everybody was, oh, Bryce Young this, Bryce Young that, and they had a lot of questions about CJ. Um, <clears throat> I definitely think that CJ probably came into this as the most ready-to-play quarterback. I agree. I, I, I felt like... Bryce Young was put in a, a tough situation in Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and I, I felt like Anthony Richardson was the most raw talent of them all, and and he needed to be uh, kind of refined. Absolutely. Uh, but what sucks about that is you know he's been injured, so it, it's tough for that development to happen. Yeah. Um, and I, real quick, I will say like I know obviously it's not we didn't include it um, because he didn't really play, but. Anthony Richardson this year has honestly been kind of surprising too. Like if I had to rank the three rookie quarterbacks based on how they've played, I would honestly probably put CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson above Bryce Young at this point. Yeah, I I would agree. I I think, you know, if you're just watching them play, I think Bryce Young to me looks like a rookie. He does. Um, Yeah. You you can tell he's a rookie. You can tell that he's struggling. Not that he's struggling to read defenses, um, but that it's taking him a little bit longer to process. Whereas you watch CJ Shroud and it's, it's bang, bang, bang. He's, he's going, you know? And I think that's evident with him throwing for 900 yards in, in three games. And Anthony Richardson looks like Lamar Jackson light, right? Like he, <laughs> yeah. he looks like the, the free version of Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing with, with Anthony Richardson is, you know, if he can stay healthy. Right. For sure. Which unfortunate that he's in concussion protocol, but hopefully he bounces back from that. It's nothing serious. Um, I want to move on. Um, I do want to start this next segment, uh, before we get into it by publicly apologizing to a listener in front of the show, Justin Downs, forever uttering the words, how about them Cowboys? The GOAT, 
uh, quarterback Josh Dobbs led the Cardinals to a 28-16 victory over the mistake-prone Cowboys this weekend. Um, <clears throat> so all jokes aside, um, I thought that the Cowboys, honestly, I thought they just had a bad game. I thought they played sloppy, and I think maybe because they were expected to destroy the Cardinals, the Cardinals played with that chip on their shoulder. Um, I mean, you do see it with the best teams out there once you start making mistakes. You know, These are still professional teams, right? I mean, just because a team on paper is bad doesn't mean they won't take advantage of your mistakes. Um, I mean, that's why they say any given Sunday. I mean, the 16-0 Patriots made it to the Super Bowl, and how many people picked the Giants to beat them? Probably not many. No. Um, I do, I will say, I do think the Cowboys are still really good, and I think that they are still a contender. Uh, this is definitely an ugly blemish. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not debating that. I will listen to any argument you have that says that the Cowboys are, like, they deserve to be knocked down a peg, um, after this loss. Um, but I also don't think that they should drop anywhere below, like, 10th. I mean, I had them at 3. Um, I mean, Tony Pollard had 23 carries for 122 yards. Um, and Dak threw the ball 40 times, completing 25 of them for 249 uh, yards, one touchdown and one interception late. The game was 21-16 to Cardinals at one point. Dallas had just kicked a field goal to bring the game within five. And then they immediately, and I mean immediately the next play after the kickoff, gave up a 69-yard pass from Josh Dobbs, which put him in scoring range, and then he connected with Hollywood Brown for the winning score. In my opinion, I think the biggest, the biggest culprit here was their defense. Um, I think they dropped the ball big time. I mean, obviously, you know, losing Trevon Diggs hurts, um, but you'd like to think that their defense is still good enough. I mean, we even said this. Their defense is good enough. You'd think they could survive a person like that going down and still be good. Um, and I think they got exposed and humbled on this one. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's any excuse. The Cardinals, like... Shout out to Josh Dobbs because he's playing out of his mind, but it's the Cardinals, man. Like, <laughs> the Cowboys should have won this game. No questions asked. Uh, Dak was still Dak, like I'm not going to lie. Um, but, he, I mean, he had to throw the ball 40 times because they were playing from behind the entire game. Um, you know, it also feels like coaching is partially to blame here. Um, even when it was 15-10 to 10 and then 18-10 to 10 Arizona, I mean, you, again, got penalty after penalty, losing yards and getting you out of scoring range. It's kind of like what happened with the Titans. Like, they would have good plays and they get knocked out of range because of stupid mistakes that their linemen, their linemen would fall star or they would get defensive penalties and give Arizona, you know, extra yardage, stuff like that. It just – it's like this year feels like a different year, but it's still just like the ghost of, like, the same old Cowboys they can't get away from. Justin, what, I mean, what were your thoughts on this? Um, to me, I don't think there's any reason to panic for the Cowboys. Um, you know, you look at the Chiefs last year. They lost to the Colts in, I think, week three or week four. Uh, you look at the year before the Bengals lost to the Bears in week two against, you know, Andy Dalton. Yeah, and I, um, I mean, I, I'm with you. For the record, I don't I don't see any reason for Cowboys fans to to panic either. Like I said, I still think that they're good. It was just a bad game. Yeah, and to me, I, I think this was a little bit of, you know, the Cowboys probably looking ahead because they have the Patriots and, and the Niners coming up in the next two weeks. Um, and, and that and a mixture of, you know, being the Cowboys, being a team that's favored to, you know, potentially win the Super Bowl, it, it it's similar to, like, you know, the, these teams in college where, you know, they get upset 
these teams that are favored to to win the Super Bowl or, or have a lot of success, you're going to get everybody's best shot. You know, like every team is going to come in to a game that they are, you know, especially the Cardinals who were, were 12 and a half point underdogs going into this game. They came into this game with a chip on their shoulder. And I, I think, like I said, I think the Cowboys just weren't ready for it. Um, I think that they were just kind of looking ahead. Um, you, you know, Arizona, Arizona to me just kind of dominated Dallas on both sides of the ball. Uh, they they had a strategy where they said, you know what, we're going to run the ball uh, with James Conner right at Micah Parsons. And it worked beautifully because essentially it, it nullified his greatest, greatest strength in pass rushing. And, you know, I, I think it kind of set up the blueprint for what other teams need to do to beat Dallas. Um, Completely agree with I, I, I hate to use the excuse of like, oh, you know, Trayvon Diggs got hurt. Like, like you said, this team feels like it should be good enough to recover from that. But on the flip side of that, um, you know, that was probably a tough blow to the locker room. Yeah, because um, I, I know that Tra- Trayvon Diggs is a, a good player, and I, I know he means a lot to that team. So, you know, th- there is that, but you you just kind of expected this. Um, you just kind of expected them to to kind of be able to recover from that, and they just didn't. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think there's any reason to to panic if I'm the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, I just saw some <clears throat> some breaking news. Uh, this, I mean. This is almost four hours ago now, but I'm just now seeing it. Um, Colin Kaepernick apparently released a letter he wrote through J. Cole asking the Jets to add him to the practice squad. Uh, it's time to hang him up, bro. <laughs> I don't know that we really need to visit this for too long. I just saw it and wanted to mention it. Um, he hasn't played since, what, 2016? Yeah, buddy. The Jets just signed uh, Bengals legend Trevor Simeon. So, yeah. I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. I. You know, it's one of those. He was good for a period. At the same time, he went. He fell off towards the end of his career. He was on. He was benched at one point. Um, and then you know, I do think that there was a little bit of kind of blackballing him from the league for a little while. I do think that that happened just because of kind of the controversy around him. Nobody wanted that in the locker room. But then it got to the point where he had a tryout. People were like, "Okay, we'll give him a shot." And then he relocated it, changed everything up. It, it's time to go, man. It's, sometimes we have to understand when chapters are over in our lives. <clears throat> okay. With that out of the way, uh, it is time once again for the moment that you have all been waiting for, Taverner's Tears, T-I-E-R-S, the segment where Justin provides his weekly NFL power rankings for all 32 teams based on their performance for the week, and then myself and the listeners question his sanity entirely as we follow along. Justin. That's fair. <laughs> It's all jokes. I, I, most of the time, I like your tears. Justin, take it away, my man. All right. Uh, coming in at number 32, I have the Denver Broncos. Uh, coming in at 31, I have the Chicago Bears. Number 30, I have the Carolina Panthers. Uh, 29, I have the Arizona Cardinals. 28, I have the Houston Texans. 27, I have the Las Vegas Raiders. And 26, I have the New York Giants. Um, I don't really know what to say from this group. They're all bad. The only thing I will challenge is I think that the Bears and Broncos should be flipped. As bad as giving yeah. up 70 is, I think that if the Bears and Broncos play each other, which we're going to find this out this week, I think the Broncos win that matchup every time. 
That's really the only argument yeah. I have. I'm not mad about any of it. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Uh, coming in at number 25, I have the New York Jets. Uh, 24, I have the Minnesota Vikings. 23, I have the Washington Commanders. 22, I have the Atlanta Falcons. And coming in at number 21, I have the New England Patriots. Um, for me, the Vikings, uh, somehow, some way, they found a way to out-Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley. I mean, w- once again, it felt like a game that Kirk... Cousins played well enough to win the game, and yet they lost the turnover battle again. Uh, and to be fair, he did throw a pick late, but at the end of the day, it's you know he either tries to to complete that pass or they lose the game anyway. So uh, that interception doesn't mean much. Same story, different. Um, feels like, yeah, and their defense could not stop anything to save their life. Yet, despite all of that, they still had a chance to win that game because Brandon Staley decides to go for it on fourth and one from his own 24, gets stopped, and they still somehow win the game. So this to me, yeah, this to me felt like both teams just trying to lose it uh, and the Vikings just were the ones on the actual losing side. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Okay. Um, Real quick, I just want to spotlight the commanders. Um Truly kind of just a deflating loss for them. I mean, you and I both kind of had high hopes for them. Like, it definitely felt like a trap game for the Bills. And, I mean, kudos to the Bills. They definitely – I think we both picked them in our in my picks last week. But I picked it to be a close game, and it was anything but that. So kudos to the Bills for <clears throat> proving me wrong for doubting them. Continue on. Uh, coming in at number 20, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, number 19, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number 18, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, number 17, I have the Green Bay Packers. And number 16, I have the Tennessee Titans. Um, the Packers at 17, you know, I was surprised because this felt like Jordan Love was starting to come into his own a little bit. You know, you, you saw them dig themselves a hole and they found a way to crawl back in and, and win this game. And Jordan Love looked comfortable and composed, you know, being down 17 with nine minutes left. He led all three of those drives to, to give them a chance to win that game. Um, and you know, I, I won't be shocked if they're, if they're competing for, uh, the NFC North title, you know, down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, Packers at 17 Titans at 16. Yeah. Um, completely agree with everything you said on the Packers. I mean, I had chalked that up to an L for them. I'm not going to lie. Um, I will give a quick shout out to Jameis in the Saints for the saints because he came in for Derek Carr and I mean, almost propelled them to a win and he looked pretty good um yeah that's all i have go ahead uh coming out of 15 i have the cleveland browns uh 14 i have the seattle seahawks 13 i have the jacksonville jaguars 12 i have the pittsburgh steelers and 11 i have the new york new orleans saints um orleans saints yeah, yeah, the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> the, like, the Saints, to me, they need to get Derek Carr back. Yeah. Um, because if he's gone for more than a few weeks, you this team is going to struggle. Um, because, like you said, I thought Jameis came in and played well. Um, but I think they punted on his first four possessions after he came in. And they did not score after he came in. Yeah. So... You know, I thought he played well, but it's always tough because, you know, he's not taking first 
first team snaps exactly. and all of that. Whereas <laughs> this week, you know, the entire week leading up to to the game that they're going to play, um, he'll have those reps with the first team. So I, I think given that, he'll probably have a little bit more success. Um, so I, I can't hold him, you know, not being able to move the ball. I can't hold that too much to him. Um, but you know, this defense is solid. Um, but they're gonna have to they're gonna have to step up with a uh, car being sidelined. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I agree. I think definitely the Saints are going to have to um, really mind their P's and Q's, as my grandparents would say. They're going to have to um, really stay on top of it because you start letting Jameis cook and get some of the mistakes he had when he was back in Tampa, um, you're going to go downhill quick. All right, we get to the top ten. Um, coming in at number 10, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, <clears throat> kind of the same thing I touched on with the Vikings. It felt like both teams tried to give this game away. Um, Brandon Staley's decision to go for it in that position just baffles me. I don't understand how, as a defensive coach, you aren't willing to trust your defense to stop the Vikings from going probably about 70 yards with no timeouts, and they have to score a touchdown. Instead, you're going to give them the ball on their 24-yard line. Um, you know... They just got lucky that Kirk made a bad decision. Yeah, I was gonna say you get, you get any other, any better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, and honestly, even Kirk Cousins half the time, you're gonna lose that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say though, they lost Mike Williams for the year with a torn ACL. It sucks. It's a big he just loss. Can't. Yeah, he just can't stay healthy. It's it sucks. Um, oh goodness. But, you know, Keenan Allen looked phenomenal. He had the third most receptions in a game ever with 18. Uh, He also went over 200 yards receiving. He also threw a 46-yard touchdown pass. Let me say that again. Keenan Allen threw a 46-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, I took my glasses Um, off and cleaned them when you texted me that because I wasn't following that game, and I just had to make sure I read that correctly. Yeah, guess who was going up against him at Fantasy this week? I'm going to assume you, big dog. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, Justin Herbert looks to be playing at a close to MVP level. Um, I, I still don't think Brandon Staley is the guy, but, you know, that will uh, work itself out in, in the future. Yeah. Uh, so Los Angeles Chargers at 10. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, coming to number nine, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this felt like a huge bounce back win. They needed this. And I think the defense played their best game by far. Um, you know, that they had six sacks, uh, two two picks. I, I thought it was just an all around great game, great game plan by Lou Anarumo, their their DC. Um, but I think if this team can get can kind of get rolling, uh, they they can be dangerous. Um, if the offense can look like what they did in the second half the rest of the year, I think they're going to be just fine. Um, you know, I, I think they have they have quite a few should be wins coming up on the on the schedule um and and, you know i I think that'll help get them back on track they got the bye week in week seven so i I think you know if we're three and three going into the bye week uh all things considered i don't think you can complain um it'd be great if we were four and two but you know we'll, we'll we'll see uh but yeah cincinnati Bengals at number nine well it is the Bengals we're talking about so you know two good things can't happen in a row um yeah Now, if I'm being completely honest, this might be a little too high for the Bengals. 
only because of the whole 0-2, and, and they looked awful. Like, just evidence that we have from this year, this game is unfortunately an anomaly instead of the norm. Um, like you said, I think that they definitely have a lot to build off of, and I'm not, like, disputing it super too much, but it also helps them that, like, the teams that were towards the bottom of the top ten all lost. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's why they made such the such a jump that they did. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said, so. Uh, coming to number eight, I have the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I'm not sure what to do with them. Um... I said last week, and I stand by this, that we needed to take their wins against the New York teams with a grain of salt. Um, because, to me, I, I think that those teams are just bad. Um, and, and and like I said, I think the Cowboys were kind of looking ahead uh, to the Pats and the 49ers, and the Cardinals just had a good game plan for them. You know, um, To me, I think this was eye-opening for me about Dak. You know, it... He needed to move the ball, and to be fair, I thought he did. But when it came to scoring points, they they just couldn't get the job done. You know that they would move the ball, they'd get in field goal range, and like you said, they'd shoot themselves in the foot and get out of field goal range, or they just wouldn't be able to score. They'd have to they'd have to settle for a field goal. And you know, in in a game where Arizona's putting up twenty eight, you got you got to be able to move the ball and you got to be able to score touchdowns, which they failed to do late in the game. Um, but I still think they're a super talented team. So, uh, Dallas at eight. Yeah, I think Dallas's success this year is going to have to be predicated on them overcoming Mike McCarthy's shortcomings. Um, they're going to have to play more mature. Um, I mean, they've been the most penalized team in the NFL for the last two years. And so far... Um, I think they're on track for that again. I know the Titans, unfortunately, are up there as well. But the Cowboys are just, they're too good to be having these kind of penalties, right? Yeah, you, you would think. So you got to think that there's going to be some sort of philosophy change or some kind of emphasis on it if they really want to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. So Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think what's scary about this, though, is that, you know, they got Bill Belichick coming up, which is never an easy game. No. And then, and then you go to San Francisco. So the scary thing about this is they could very easily be two and two and three. You know, I I would not be shocked. I, I think they'll find a way to get it done uh, against the Patriots. But you know, I will not be shocked if if after week five we're sitting here talking about the Cowboys at two and three. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. But yeah, cool. Dallas. Uh, so Cowboys at eight. Uh, coming to number seven, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think the injuries for this team is what's catching up to them. And what scares me the most is that it's only week three. And it just feels like they're, they've lost some, some big, uh, some big hitters on this team. I mean, I I worry about that their health moving forward and you could tell, especially on the offensive side, only putting up 19 with this offense against the Colts. It's not promising, you know, getting beat by Gardner Minshew is, not amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're talking. Um, it's not like we're talking about the you're playing the 2006 Patriots and their defense is the '84 Bears. Like, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, they still have Lamar, and with him, I, he can single-handedly influence games, um, and he he can take him over. So I, I think as long as Lamar is healthy, um, you know, this team will always go into a game with a chance to win. 
So uh, Baltimore at seven. Yeah, um, I'll actually have more to say on this in a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't disagree. Um, let's keep it rolling. All right, coming to number six, I have the Detroit Lions. Um, I think the emergence of Jameer Gibbs makes this cre- this team incredibly dangerous. And it honestly, like, I'm super excited for this team because for my entire life, the Detroit Lions have just been poverty. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so to see them doing well, and I don't know, it kind of makes me happy. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, Jared Goff to me is still a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the league. He's top, he was top I, I, five I in stats last year. Exactly. I don't think there's anybody that can argue that he is worse than the 12th best quarterback in the league. It, it, there, there's no way you can you can argue that. And with their weapons that they have, and it, it seems to me like they're they're only just getting better. I mean, the the tight end Sam Laporta, like who who would have saw him coming in as you know probably a top ten tight end in the league right now. Um, so I I think this team's this team's good. Um, I will say I'm I'm super excited for them to square up with the Packers on Thursday. That'll be one of the games that I'm looking forward to this week. Uh, but Detroit Lions at six. Yeah, no, I uh, completely with you. Um, I think I think uh, Detroit has a lot to be proud of. Um, <clears throat> I know last year they were a good offensive team. They were just abysmal, abysmal defensively, and I mean they they scored. I think weren't they like the highest scoring team, but also gave up the most points. <laughs> they were they were up there. Yeah, at least at one point they were number one in both. Um, yeah, I think. I think you're right. I think Jared Goff is more than capable, and I think that he finally has a good offense around him. Um, you know, they get Amon Ra, St. Brown healthy and back out there. I think, I think they're going to I mean, be... he had 102 receiving yards this week, so... Did he? I couldn't remember if he was back or not. Um, I didn't get to catch that game much, so... Yeah, no, I like it. Um, going back to your statement about the Lions being poverty our whole lives, that meme I saw where JFK has missed one Detroit Lions playoff game and since he died yeah <laughs> oof detroit lions all right yeah go ahead all right uh lions at six coming at number five i have the buffalo bills um once again i mean it was second week in a row josh allen did not have to be superman for the bills to win this game and i, I think that's the most important thing for this bills team is if they can limit um, you know, you know how much pressure they're putting on on Josh Allen to to make these incredible plays. Um, I, I think this team's going to be successful. Uh, you know, James Cook ran for almost a hundred yards, and their defense forced five turnovers. Anytime that happens, it's really hard to lose games. Um, so I mean, th- this felt like just another statement win for the Bills. Um. I think they have. I think they play Miami this week. That that's going to be probably the game of the week, if I had to guess. Oh yeah, no that that's a great. I'm excited for that matchup. That literally, like you said, game of the week. That might be the game I'm most excited for, and we're going to a game. Um, yeah. <laughs> like you said, the more that the Bills can play with Josh Allen not having to be Superman, uh, the better off they're going to be. Um, and I think that if you can keep Josh Allen level-headed and making mistake, like playing mistake-free football, I think the Bills are up there with anybody as contenders. 
Yeah, so uh, Buffalo Bills at five. Coming in at number four, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, to me, I'm not sure how much of a, a dominant win this was uh, because of the Chiefs being good or the Bears being, well, the Bears. Um, <laughs> I mean, everything that went on with that franchise this week between you know their, their DC re, uh, resigning and... Justin Fields calling out the the coaches and then having to to backpedal on those comments and I think I saw that they had a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment stolen from their stadium this the last week like I, I I don't know just everything that happened with that franchise for the Bears just nothing is going right um it, it's not a surprise to me that the Chiefs won by thirty one I mean no. it it was so bad that Blaine Gabbert was getting snaps at quarterback so um. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Chiefs, like like I've said for the last couple of weeks, they have Mahomes, they have Andy Reid, they have Travis Kelsey. Any, any time that they're putting those three out on the field, it, it's hard for them to lose games. Don't respect Titans legend Blaine Gabbert like that. Right, okay. um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Bears dumpster fire. Um, Chiefs good. Um, yeah, I saw someone said that um, the people who stole all that equipment, they didn't steal the playbook for the Bears, so they didn't do enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't have any comment. <laughs> uh, all right, so Chiefs at four. Coming to number three, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this team, to me, just continues to find ways to be excellent. I mean, they traded a fourth-round pick for DeAndre Swift, and DeAndre Swift has ran for almost 300 yards in two games. Yeah. Like, I, 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 this team's just good. They have playmakers everywhere. They're, and to me, I think their their defensive line might be the best in the NFL. Might be. It, it's between them or San Francisco. Uh, or, and honestly, Cleveland, too. Um, I, I think, for me, Jalen Carter might be defensive rookie of the year. He He's played that well because, you, you know, the stats aren't going to show it. But he influences almost every single play. You can see that he is just getting so much pressure back there. Even if he's not sacking the quarterback, he's he's taking blockers off. Um, and and like I said, the stats may not show it, but he is he has been dominant this year. Oh yeah, um, an animal. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Philadelphia at three. You got any comments? Um, I yeah, I've just I I've slept on Philly. Um, you know, I think I've told you the last couple of weeks that I think you had them a little too high um, just because they hadn't proven enough to me yet. I walk that back, man. I think Jalen Hurts is the guy, and I think that him finding a renewed connection with A.J. Brown is definitely great because through the first two games they didn't have enough, and I was just worried with health and everything that maybe, you know, maybe not having that good, like, good connection with A.J. Brown was going to hurt them. But, I mean... Like you said, freaking DeAndre Swift is running for two million yards, and Gainwell is playing like a great running back again, and just man, they're they're good. So yeah, uh, there's a stat that said that, that Jalen Hurts, surprisingly, he he leads the league since he's uh, since he was drafted. He leads the league in uh, 20, 20 plus yard touchdown passes. Um, I forget how many he has, but since he since he has been drafted, he has the most touchdown passes of over twenty yards. That's interesting for someone so, who's not really seen as like a super great thrower of the ball. Right. 
Um, coming to number two, I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, do I really need to say anything about them? I mean... I think we said enough about them earlier. <laughs> I, th- I think we've said enough, yeah. Everybody knows my reasoning as to why, you know, Miami is, is number two. Yeah, I, <laughs> no arguments. Um, I, you know how I feel about it. Um, I have no dispute between your first and second team. I would flip them personally just because one of them put up 70 points and the other one didn't, but I have no qualms about it. Let's move on to number one. Uh, coming to number one for the third straight week. The San Francisco 49ers. This is brand new uh, information. <laughs> uh, this to me, I still think they're the best team in the NFL. I still think they're the most complete team. Um, I don't know how much uh, Miami's defense has been tested. I mean, they played Mac Jones and Russell Wilson. <laughs> that's, 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 and I'm not saying Russell Wilson played bad. But he's not Seattle Russell Wilson, and it's not like you know Miami's facing these great quarterbacks. They're, you know they're fa- they haven't faced Mahomes, they haven't faced Josh Allen yet, they haven't faced Joe Burrow, they haven't faced um, you know all these elite quarterbacks. So I, I think until I see their defense tested, then I'll then I'd be convinced to put Miami higher. But until then, I think San Francisco is just the most complete team. Yeah. Um, you know Brock Purdy is him. Christian McCaffrey is him. Debo Kittle or Debo Samuel is him. Kittle. George Kittle is him. Nick Bosa is him. And if I kept going, we'd be here for another hour because that's how good this team is. And uh, yeah, I've said it for three straight weeks that this team just they're, they're they're the best team in the NFL to me. And like I said, I can't um, I can't yeah. I can't argue that. Um, you know, I, and, and I understand reasoning for wanting to flip Miami and San Francisco. I think they're one A and one B to me. Yeah, but if I have to put a number on them, that's the way I'd rank them. Because it's one of those like I think San Francisco, I think they have the better defense, but I think Miami has the better offense. Like as crazy, I agree. As crazy as that might sound, um, and again, it was against Denver, but Miami has been explosive, and. I don't know. I, I think I agree with you. Like, if it came down to it, on paper, San Francisco would probably win that matchup just because you'd like to think that their defense could hold some of the explosiveness back. But at the same time, man, Tyreek on the football field, I <laughs> it's hard to pick against that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I don't hate it. Let's get on to the, uh, the risers and fallers. Uh, the biggest faller of the week... Let me check really quick. I believe was the Jacksonville Jaguars falling from 7th to 13th, falling back six spots. There were quite a few teams that dropped five spots. Uh, those would include the Dallas Cowboys, the Tennessee Titans. Yes, sir. The Los Angeles Rams. Um, those three teams all dropped five, so they were right behind them. Uh, and the biggest risers of the week... Uh, that, I believe, goes to the New England Patriots. They they jumped from 27 to 21st. Uh, there were quite a few teams that jumped five spots. Uh, those would include the Indianapolis Colts, the Cleveland Browns, um, and the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm embarrassed. Five spots. I'm embarrassed to say that you said they jumped several teams jumped five spots and i counted on my fingers to see how many spots that the patriots jumped 
That would be six. 27-21. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, like I said, I'm embarrassed to say that, but... Yeah, I love that you do the risers and fallers, by the way. It's nice to kind of see some of the trends and uh, things that happen, so. All right, uh, well, I guess let's move on. Cool. Um, so let's end our episode uh, with uh, that segment we brought in, the overreactions and hot takes from this week of NFL football. I will start us off. Um, my first one is not an overreaction that I am having, but it is an overreaction that I am seeing, and I want to call it out. <clears throat> uh, my first overreaction that I want to call out is that the Jacksonville Jaguars will miss the playoffs. I think this is an overreaction. Uh, somebody does have to win the AFC South, and as good as Indianapolis has looked, and as the Texans seem to have the momentum, and the Titans are located in Nashville, I think that the Jaguars are still the best team in the division, and I think that they will overcome that slow start and win it. Yeah. Um, my first overreaction from, from week three is that Sean Payton is a fraud. <laughs> he is a fraud. He came in there and bashed Nathaniel Hackett, calling it the worst coaching job he's ever seen. At least Nathaniel Hackett didn't lose by 50. <laughs> You know, and let's be honest, it, like, sh- it should have been 57. It, 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 sh- <laughs> it should have been 57 because the Broncos returned a touchdown, or returned a kickoff for a touchdown. So it, it should have been 70 to 13. Should have been. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I think Sean Payton's a fraud. He has done nothing positive for this franchise, and I know that it's not an overnight fix, and I know that it's not just, you know, they needed this one thing, but... To, to come in there and talk badly about the previous head coach and then three weeks later lose by 50, <laughs> that doesn't look good. Yeah. I, uh, so, yeah, my, my overreaction is that Sean Payton is a fraud. I'm with you, and can I, just, can I just make a comment on that real quick? Yeah. Sean Payton came in there, and, you know, you said it's not just one thing that they needed, but can we just talk about the fact how the media drove home to us for, like, the three years leading up to Russell Wilson going there that Denver was just a quarterback away? Like, that's all we heard. They had the receivers, they had the defense, they had the offense. They just needed a quarterback to bring it home. Yeah, because for a while it was, you know, it was Brandon Allen and Brock Osweiler and, and just a plethora of, and what was it, Drew Locke for a while. But that's what I'm saying. Like, just, like you know, the media touted to us that they're just a quarterback away. And I think that, like, I know you said it's not an overnight fix, but I really think that this should fall badly on Sean Payton even more so than like most people would say is because like yeah he just lost by 50 but also you know we were told they're just a quarterback away and then last year it's oh the coaching was bad and they then he fixed both of those problems and then he comes in and everybody was like oh he coached the Saints he got them a Super Bowl he made Drew Brees <laughs> he better have a big turnaround this year this is gonna be a gonna be a rough one for him um, I want to move on. Um, before I get into my second uh, hot take, I just need to revisit the fact that the Chicago Bears are three-point home underdogs to a team that just gave up 70 points. <laughs> I, just, I, I just am praying. I am praying that game ends in a two-to-two. Two 
<laughs> that that would make my week. <laughs> that that would seem like the most Broncos and Bears. Uh, thing yeah, is is for that game to end in both teams getting a safety and tying. Yeah, like I said, I I know that's not my hot taker reaction. I just I couldn't let this podcast end without bringing that up again because that yeesh. Like imagine how bad you have to be to be that an underdog to that. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to it. Uh, my second hot take, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to miss the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, I, I know that's a spicy one, and you might be thinking, how can that be? They're in the race for the division title right now, right? That is true, but l- l- just bear with me for a second. So they just lost to a rebuilding Colts team. I mean, like performance aside, the Colts, I mean, I think we would all agree they are still rebuilding. Yeah, with I mean, they had Gardner Minshew as their quarterback. So. Right. And, I mean, nobody expects the Colts to be anything right now. Um, but they lost to a rebuilding Colts team, and Lamar Jackson had 202 passing yards and 101 rushing yards. He doubled what his RB1 Gus Edwards rushed for. He had no passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. He said, you know, when he signed his deal that he was ready to throw for 6,000 yards. Like, I just... I don't think this is sustainable, and I agree with you completely. I think they're an injury away from going on an ugly streak of losing games, and I don't want to wish this on anyone, but I just I worry so much with Lamar's injury history and with the rest of the team that they're just they're one injury away, you know, and especially an injury to him. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Like with him running as much as he is, like you don't need to have Lamar running that much. Like you don't. I know he's good at it. I know he's a generational running QB talent, but I mean. You know, they lost him last year, and granted, Tyler Huntley played well, but you, they're just, I don't think they're good enough to lose Lamar and have a hope of doing anything. So that's my hot take. I'm sure I'll be horrendously wrong and get roasted for it later, but I think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to miss the playoffs. All right. Uh, that was, yeah, that, that, is, that shocked me. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. My second hot take for the week is that the Dolphins have the best offense of all time. Hmm. Uh, that is including the greatest show on turf. That is including uh, any of the Patrick Mahomes-led offenses. That is including the Peyton Manning's Broncos. Any offense that the the Broncos have, or the, the Dolphins have, the greatest offense of all time. Okay. I will only challenge... I don't think they have the greatest. I think they have the most explosive. I think they have the greatest. Well, that's fair. It's your hot take. I, I think I think that I think their two running backs are insane. They are fast. They are they are shifty. I think Tua, as long as he's healthy, is a great quarterback. Um, I still don't know if I'd put him in the in the same category as Burrow and Mahomes and you know those guys, but I still think he's a top. Seven quarterback, yeah. And anytime you have that, you know it, it's it's good. It's good. Um, I, I think Tyreek is top two wide receiver in the league. I think Jalen Waddle's probably top fifteen at the absolute worst. He might be top. Um, yeah, and they put up seventy without him. So, yeah. and, and then top it off with Mike McDaniel probably being one of the best offensive coaches. Uh, I'm not gonna say all time because it's way too early for that. But, er, I mean, <laughs> this season, it's been incredible. I mean, two is throwing no-look passes. He's 
He's doing all this stuff, and it's credit to Mike McDaniel. So, uh, yeah, hot take number two. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree. Um, like I said, I might challenge you a little bit on the greatest ever, but I can't can't argue with it. Um, could, just a one quick little what if scenario. Could you imagine the Dolphins' offense as it is right now? But instead of Raheem Mostert and Devon Achain, they had Marshawn Lynch and Derrick Henry in their primes. Oh my. <laughs> Talk about doing unholy things to teams. Um, they might have scored a hundred on Saturday or on Sunday. Yeah, only a <laughs> hundred. Um, well, with that, Justin, do you have anything else? No, I, th- I think we. Uh, I think I think we're good to wrap it up. Cool. Well, as Justin said, that's going to wrap up this week four episode of the rundown. Uh, thank you so much to everyone for listening to our podcast. We definitely appreciate all of the great feedback and support that we received. Uh, Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting service so that you never miss an upload. Um, That's all we've got today, guys. So until next time, have a wonderful day. Oh, and you're going to get this after every uh, Bengals win. Who day? Who day? Who day think going to beat them Bengals? All right. I said it with you. I didn't have anything to cheer about for my team. So have a good one, y'all.